Hi, everyone, and welcome to our LinkedIn Live. Welcome and a special hello to our workforce executive council members. We're so happy that many of you are here to join us, and uh, we are looking forward to the conversation that we are going to have today around making pay equity a reality for women. For those of you who don't know, I'm Susan Caminetti. I'm the content editor for the Workforce Executive Council. I've had a chance to meet a few of you um, since I joined. Uh, most of you I've communicated with over Zoom and uh, via email. I hope to meet more of you as we get to do more live events as the year rolls out, but I'm happy to be here today um, to be moderating this uh, insightful and engaging, what I know will be an engaging um, conversation. I am thrilled uh, to have the two speakers that we have joining us today who are going to bring decades of experience and insight into pay equity. Let me introduce them. Uh, we have Kate Luzio. Kate is the founder and CEO of Luminary, a company that she started in 2018. Luminary is a membership-based career and personal growth platform and collaboration hub. And Kate designed this to address what she calls the systemic challenges affecting women in all sectors and all industries. Um, Kate came to Luminary with uh, a number of years of experience in the banking industry, so she knows of what she speaks when we're talking about pay equity and, and correcting that issue. Um, we're also joined today by Cindy Robbins. Cindy is an advisor and a board member, and many of you may remember her as the president and the chief people officer at Salesforce. Now, Cindy was the person who was very instrumental in lobbying Mark Benioff uh, in 2015 to do a uh, company-wide compensation assessment at Salesforce. And from that, Salesforce uh, spent nearly $9 million over three rounds to close the pay gap uh, between men and women at the company. And it's something that, that the company has kept on with. So we are delighted uh, to have both of, both of these experts with us today. Before we dive in, let me just remind all of you, if you have questions, comments, please put them in the chat, the comment section. I'll try to get to as many of them as we can. Uh, we wanna hear from you. We wanna know what's on your mind and how we can make this the best LinkedIn Live for you. So before we get into the specifics, Cindy and Kate, on the things that companies can be doing and what women can be doing to better educate themselves and advocate for themselves, Let's start with maybe a broader picture. New York City is about to uh, roll out, it passed a law, it's about to go into effect in, in May, that will say that any company with four or more employees must list the minimum and the maximum salary for any new position or any in, internal position. A number of other cities and states have these laws in effect. I'd love for both of you to just kind of give an overview on the usefulness of these laws, and to what degree are they helping women in closing this, this pay gap? Are they very effective? Are they somewhat effective? Or are they just a step in the right direction because it's transparency? Kind of table set for us where we're at with that. And Kate, why don't we start with you? And then Cindy, I want to hear what you have to say. So listen, I, I, I've been very vocal about this. Uh, I don't think that salary transparency is going to solve the pay gap. It's one step in the right direction. I think it's a great sign that a city like New York that um, houses 
um, incredibly large companies with thousands and thousands of employees all the way down to the medium and small businesses um, is enacting this law. Let's hope that it does get enacted because there is a measure to delay it, um, to let employers get um, to, to get their ducks in a row, shall we say. So I think it's one measure. I think that there are a lot of other opportunities within the structure of the way companies are designed in order to um, help solve the, the pay gap or pay equity. Um, a, a lot of what Salesforce has done under um, Cindy's leadership when she was there around just making regular reviews of compensation also promotion policy, just general people practices um, over time. It allows the company also internally to benchmark where they are against competitors with this idea of, of mm -hmm. pay transparency. But also more importantly, what I think there's a benefit of is you won't necessarily have so many in particular women, women of color jumping ship every time they need to make a move, right? So, I mean, just level setting or table setting for there, that's where I think we're at. But it's going to take a lot from both companies structurally and systemically, as well as women and women of color individually to create a better environment where we see the salary or the pay gap closing. Okay, terrific. Cindy, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think, you know, any step towards transparency is a step forward, right? Just like Kate even mentioned. And um, I think the, the salary band information uh, can be useful for uh, candidates, especially it helps them in the negotiation process. And I think it'll help women kind of give them more information, more clarity on how best to negotiate for themselves. So I think in that aspect, it's, it's definitely a step forward. Um, but is it the solve? Is it the end all? No, I don't believe so. Because I think in my own experience, what I found is wasn't just about doing the audit or even in this case, providing full transparency about, you know, salary bans, because by the way, those could be very simple to very broad. <laughs> um, and I think it really unveiled more about our policies and our processes when it came to our people, whether it was hiring, promoting, uh, recognizing our employees, retaining our employees. So it opened up kind of a bigger dialogue around uh, what what did we need to fix in order mm -hmm. to ensure pay equality inside the company, whether it was coming in as a new hire or whether it was tenured employees as they uh, every year they became tenured, they got merit increases, things like that. We needed to ensure we were having uh, transparent conversations with our employees about how they were compensated. Okay, terrific. I want to get into in a little bit uh, some of the things, some of the specifics about how that pay transparency and how an awareness of the ranges can in fact help women, to Kate's point to, and Cindy, to, to better negotiate. But let's just start with the pay audit. Uh, Cindy, explain a little bit about, um, about you know, how often should companies be doing them? Uh, is, is if you're a public company, should the board of directors be part of this equation, part of this conversation? Sort of give us, the, uh, to the best of your ability, the overview of how these should be done and how often. Well, uh, when I started the, the pay audit, uh, just going from my own experience, you know, one thing I realized very quickly was that there was no formula given to company, companies on how to follow uh, an equal pay assessment. Mm -hmm. And so you really had to 
bring people together that had not the compensation team, you know, uh, employment law, thing, the right people in the room to really say, okay, how are we going to go about doing this? What are the key variables associated with someone's pay? Whether it was their location, their job family, their job levels, um, uh, their performance, and then you do an assessment and you try to figure out whether there are statistical differences and try to do a lot of analysis because you have to go about this very carefully and very thoughtfully when you're talking about people's pay. And, um, you know, for us, when we did it the first year, you know, did we learn some lessons? Yes. Uh, you know, it was our first time doing it. Um, and then it was really about, well, how do you communicate this? How do you educate not just the employees when they receive communication that they are getting an adjustment because obviously their next question will be like, well, can you tell me a little bit, bit more how you got to this point, right. but also to the managers, right? To the managers so that they can have these thoughtful conversations and be transparent about them. And I think what it did was it started to also just shift behavior inside the company. Um, for example, just managers trying to ask more from maybe their HR support, more from about data in their organization, how they hire. On the flip side, for me and my organization, it, it caused us to reflect on our processes. Mm -hmm. Did we have the right processes in place when it came to fair compensation as we bring people into the company? Because, for example, what's the common question re recruiters would ask? They would ask, what's your... At time of negotiation, what's your current comp? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and then they would increase it a bit, right? Um, and then they would bring them in. Well, you're just bringing in the gap, obviously. And that we we felt was a core issue that we needed to solve. The question should be more to the candidate, what is a compensation you expect? And I think what you're finding right now is candidates are doing more of their own homework yes. to, to really figure out what are the follow-up questions they need to ask? Well, what job family am I going to be in? How many people are in the same job? Where do I fall in that salary band level? Am I in the 30th percentile, the 50th percentile, the 75th percentile? Um, so I think the questions are, I'm, I'm hoping the questions are a little bit different. I'm, I, I've read countless articles that you're starting to see shifts in that behavior going toward the right direction. I want to get into some of those questions and what they should be. But before we move on to that, Cindy, let me ask you this. To what degree, and I'm sure the answer is a large degree, but let me let me hear from you. To what degree is the CEO of the company involved in this? And how critical are they in this process? Can this even get off the ground without their full they have to say yes to the audit to begin with, correct? Correct. I mean, there is no way uh, Layla Seka and I, we were the two women that went to Mark. Uh, she's a product executive. And there was no way we could have gotten this off the ground, even myself in my current role, without his support, right? Mm -hmm. This was going to be a shift in uh, our culture, right? And our values of the company that pay equality was going to be a core value. And I, as I told Mark at the time, this is not a one and done thing. This is, this, is, this is inherited in our culture going forward and we have to make it part of the values of the company. So no, and all the advice I've given even to other women and other companies, I always say there, whether you report to the CEO or not, there's, there's got to be a path 
to mm -hmm. the CEO. Um, advocates or champions as you know, maybe there's five above you, maybe there's two above you, but you have to find a way to the CEO because you need them to be supportive of this for sure. Other than this is the absolute right thing to do to pay <laughs> men and women equally for comparable jobs. It, how else should an organization make the case for doing the audit and not only doing the audit, but then if there are discrepancies, funding those discrepancies and making this? I mean, is there another way, another avenue by which companies should be looking at this other than it is the right thing to do? It'll make you an employer of choice if folks know that they pay men and women equally? Well, I can only go from my own experiences. And look, I believe culture is a driver now for all companies and all industries. And, you know, I, I used to say, you know, the CHROs that are getting hired right now, they're almost cultural ambassadors as part mm -hmm. of their title because they're there to help guide, work with the management team to really in some ways make change in a positive direction. And with, when it comes to pay equality, you know, companies talk a lot about, for example, trust. Well, if you want your employees to trust you, if you want to retain your employees and attract the best talent, you have to ensure certain values are in place in the company and pay equality should be one of them because if they're choosing you as their employer, they're trusting you that you're gonna take care of them and that includes compensation. Compensation is the most emotional driver for any employee inside yeah. the company. Yeah. I mean, Kate, you know that better than anyone. You did your, uh, Luminary did research with Indeed and and, and it's amazing. It shows, uh, your research showed 60% of women cite compensation as one of their grace, greatest sources of job dissatisfaction and over 40% of women said they don't advocate for themselves. Those were pretty sobering statistics to read. Were you surprised by them? You know, I, I don't know if I was necessarily surprised by those two. When you look at the research that we did, what was more surprising was that 70% of the women that answered the survey said, this was over several thousand said, I'm relatively happy in my job, 70%. That's a good number. Mm -hmm. But yet 54% said, but I'm probably gonna make a major change in the next year. And then when we dove deeper and said, well, wait, what is the bit? Why the big change? Well, 60% said, because compensation's an issue. And then we said, well, okay, if compensation's an issue, how are you getting there? It requires absolutely exactly what Cindy and Salesforce have done. But if we are not advocating for ourselves earlier on in our careers and then just leaving the organizations, we've got a bigger problem. So that 40 plus percent of women said, I want to make a change or 54% of those women said, I want to make a change. 60% said it's because of comp, but then plus 40% said, but I don't know how to advocate for myself. And so I think there's a big focus there around that. They just expect companies to always do the right thing. We should expect companies to always do the right thing, but look at where we are. I, when I started my career 25 years ago and 20 of those years were in banking, we were having the same conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So it's, we're chipping away. I think salary transparency is, is one thing, but I do think, you know, I call it the push and the pull companies must be reaching in and pulling up through the pipeline. They're women paying them appropriately, providing opportunities 
earlier in their uh, in their career, investing in their skills and development, um, not letting them walk out the door. It's not just about that woman comes and says, I'm not getting paid. I'm leaving for the next bank on the street. And that has what historically has happened. They will go somewhere else when they get that bigger jump. That mm -hmm. can happen. Um, retention, if it, retention is one of the number one issues right now for companies, small, medium, and large of women, particularly in the past two years because of the pandemic. So why aren't we just looking at this logically and saying, maybe there is a big part of that that is just making the appropriate change in compensation. Um, I, I also think, Susan, there's just this other piece where on the pushing side, and this is not about leaning in, this is not about all of the things that we've learned. This is really about, are you advocating for all of the things that you're doing for that organization, for that team, for that boss, right? Do mm -hmm. people know what you're doing and what you're contributing? And self-advocacy is something that, and again, that study said, most of the women aren't doing. Fear, I'm, I'm anxious, and I'm worried there's be retaliation around it. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I'll be seen as aggressive. We've got to get rid of this. And that's why we talk about at Luminary, this systemic and structural change within the corporate workforce for women. I want to get to the idea of advocacy and what that looks like, what women can can, can be doing here. But you said you touched on something that was really interesting, and it and it is something that has existed for a long time. I would say for for men and women, but it's probably affecting maybe women a little bit more. And it's this this idea that if you want to have a significant jump in salary, you you have to leave. You have to leave your current employer, and the only way you're going to get it is if you go someplace else. You obviously don't believe you you don't believe in that. You don't think that that is is necessary that, especially in this time of companies trying so hard to retain their best workers, they should be making an effort to, to retain to retain those those folks, those those high performers. What is it that if 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 women love their job, love their position, love the field they're in and the company and the people they work with, but at the same time they want to be paid more, what does that conversation look like and how does it need to be different than what has taken place for the past 15, 20 years? Well, I'll just, I mean, I think in the past it has been, you have to leave, uh, again, generalizing, you have to leave. I mean, I did it three banks in 20 mm -hmm. years, right? That's how I moved up. That's not only how I got paid more, it's how I got more responsibility. It's how I got more people management, how I got bigger roles. Um, I, there was often this women get, uh, and people of color, oh, they're just not ready yet. Right. Well, if they're mm -hmm. not ready, let's invest in them earlier and get them ready versus they walk out the door and it costs us twice as much to replace them. So I think with salary transparency and some of this, as, as Cindy mentioned, the review of people practices in general, I think that can change because if retention is the issue and compensation is cited as really one of the number one reasons people are leaving, then, you know, the problem um, two years ago or a little over. Um, we saw an entire world go online, mm -hmm. right? So in the old days, pre-pandemic, if you would have said to a company, hey, Verizon, hey, you know, JP Morgan, you're going to put all of your people online and everyone's going to work from home. They would have done a project. They would have done, it would have taken years. But in 20, 48 hours, every company, for the most part, put their people working from home online. And so when I hear people saying, oh, well, we, it's just going to take time and we can't do a people practice review and we can't do comp and benchmarking, it's going to take time. I call that out. Mm -hmm. uh, 
we work with many companies at Luminary and say, you know, you, your issue is retention. What does your comp look like? How do you benchmark against your competitors? And I think that is also a real opportunity for companies to see how they're benchmarking against their competitors with salary transparency. Now I can see what everyone else is doing for this role. It's also great for companies that aren't big, that are startup and thinking about how they pay their people or how you scale. What is that right level of compensation? That helps women and women of color from the get-go. So if you want to retain your person, pay them, give them the right opportunity, promote them on potential um, versus performance. And I think there's a real opportunity there that you don't have to leave. You don't have to make those jumps in order to get that bigger career or that bigger comp. Kate, let me see if I understood one one thing that you, you said there, and uh, this idea of, you know, it, it, at the beginning of the pandemic, companies were able to almost flip a switch and people were working remotely. Uh, or is it, can it be the same with wage equity? I mean, it, does it need to be a long drawn out process? I mean, Cindy, there was an interview that Mark gave years ago and he said, CEOs with one button can pay every man and woman equally. We have the data, we know what everyone makes, there's no excuse. Yes. That sounds lovely. Yes. Is it, is it reality? Um, it was part reality. I mean, it was one click of a button on a system of record that houses all of our employee data, which divulges compensation data, which divulges location, their job band, their job family, um, their tenure, their performance. So yes, he was accurate in stating that. But then you have to go about like, well, let's do the analysis to figure out, are there any outliers? Are there statistical differences in a certain job family that, that we didn't see? So there's, there's some post work to that. But the bottom line is every company has this data. No, mm -hmm. no question. Now, it may influence, you know, like these salary uh, 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 bans being transparent, it may force companies to uh, get their policies right mm -hmm. and their processes right and uh, train their managers on the conversations that need to be had, not once a year, but throughout the year, because that's how you really retain your people. If you're having these honest conversations, it's, it's okay even for managers to say, I don't know but let's, let's revisit this conversation. And then they go back and get the support and the data they need to have that conversation. That's just be having authentic, honest conversation. And if I'm the, the employee, you know, and that's my manager, I'm good. I'm going to stick around because I'm having these types of conversations. So I think, you know, it, the onus is on the employees, the company, the management, you know, but I, I do, yeah, I, I do think it, yes, it was a click of a button, but there's a lot more to it. Right, that. there's a lot more to it. And in, and in your experience with Salesforce, your, when you were there, the company made a number of acquisitions. So yes. when you're requiring a company, you get everything with the company. You get everything. the way they pay. So yes. then that would suggest this has to be an ongoing process. Definitely. You can't have uh, a group of folks that you've inherited through an acquisition and justify it to say, well... Uh, they're in a separate pay bucket, even though they're doing the same level of work as everyone else in the on the team. That that you can't have happen. So, unfortunately, for you know, we acquired a lot of companies, so we had to to look at that constantly. And that's why I said it's not a one and done, mm -hmm. and it's okay to fix every year. 
right. I was always surprised when people would say to me, well, why do you have to keep adjusting? And I'm like, well, unless you have flawless processes and systems, it's an audit like any other audit and you, you have to look at it for the sake of your employees. Right. So. I, I think to your point that you made earlier, it is such a, um, it, it's such a sensitive, inherently human conversation. Compensation gets to all kinds of, you know, associations that, that employees make about worth and value. So it's unlike maybe a, a regular audit in a company, this really does tie into just the way people feel that they're valued. So may, maybe that's why they, they, we only want to do it once and we don't want and to you, do it again. If I can just add, because I, sure. I totally agree with Cindy in that, and by the way, most companies, particularly large companies that, that employ thousands and thousands of people do this on an annual basis anyway. It's part of the performance process that happens sometime at mid-year and sometimes at year end or both. That's already happening. I was a manager for thousands of people. You look at everyone's comp, you see where they're at, who gets a bonus, what's the bonus pool, where are they at, what's their band, are they getting promoted? So this should happen much more regularly, but at the very least, it does happen for most companies on an annual basis. And to exactly what Cindy said, you know, Mark and his leadership team said, this is the right thing to do. We're going to do this and we are going to do it as part of our regular people practice or process every year or even more broadly. And I think the last thing there is then you've got to equip managers, right? Because at here you're at this level. And then if you think of companies, again, small, medium, large, the informations get synthesized as it comes down. So we've got to invest time and training in managers to be able to have those conversations and create real communication and dialogue with employees. So they're not just having that conversation when they've gotten an offer next door and they're ready to walk out. Right, right. And if I can just add, because you sure. mentioned this, I think, um, Susan, just the, the role and responsibility of boards, um, especially public companies, compensation committees, this should be an ongoing topic of discussion and evaluation. You know, board meetings, they have, they, they have their board meetings, they look at data on a consistent basis. This should be part of that assessment as well. Okay. In the time we have left, this question is for both of you. And, and that's, what does the future look like for this? You're both out there, you're having conversations with women of all ages. Um, I've read stats that say it's going to take, I don't even know, 10 to 30 years to get this right, which is mind boggling. Uh, where do you think we're going to be in two to three to five years in this conversation? And do you feel that because of the amount of information that's out there, the increasing amount of salary wage transparency that seems to be happening now, is this uh, do do are younger women that are entering the workforce at the beginning of their careers, are they going to be able to more strategically advocate for themselves so that maybe in 10 years, we don't have a LinkedIn Live on this topic anymore? Um, we don't need to. Where, where are we going to be at? I'll jump in and, and then Cindy can have the last mm -hmm. word. Uh, you know, I think, I think as we said in the beginning, it's a step in the right direction, right? I think cities and states like New York um, and others that are, that are jumping on board and salary transparency can only help, right? Particularly for people, women that are already in the company and don't know what their, their potentially their peers are being paid. 
um, their male peers. And then for those that are coming into the workforce, right? Um, when you look at the statistics of one in three women still haven't come back into the workforce from the five plus million that left at the beginning of the pandemic, we've got a problem. Women are part of the economic recovery of this country and the world. So we've got to be making these changes. And I think in the next two to three to five years, at least what we're seeing with all of the companies and the women that we work with at Luminary, I think companies are taking this seriously. I think the pressure is on, uh, like the tight labor market that we know, people will walk and in particular women, and they will go search where they are valued and get paid what they deserve, not what they need, but what they deserve. Terrific. Cindy. I echo everything Kate has said. And look, I just believe that the more companies can start to be transparent with their employees, whether it's pay or the policies, how their uh, how their performance is evaluated, why or why not they did not get a promotion, the it's gonna come out regardless, right? And mm -hmm. I even when I was leaving Salesforce, when you know, one of the first things I, I said to someone on my team was, I hope you guys get to the point where there's just full transparency because it's going to get there, whether you follow or you lead with it. And mm -hmm. um, I think the more companies can show that they're leading, that they want a workforce that trusts them, they're gonna be able to retain and have just a, 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 you know employees doing their best work because they're in a trusted space and they're doing the best work for their customers. And you know all of that hits the bottom line for companies. So um, I hope we get to that point. I hope we're not having these conversations, you know, in, in 10 years from now. Um, I think this is why I got so frustrated when I had certain journalists say, well, why do you, why do you have to keep doing it and keep adjusting it? And I was like, it's an audit. You have to, you're, you're going to have variables that come into the company or situations that are going to kind of alter uh, how employees are being paid. So you have to look at it every single year. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's an it's an ongoing process and a good one and a valuable one. Uh, Kate Luzio, Cindy Robbins, thank you so much, both of you, for sharing your insights uh, uh, and your expertise in this area. Uh, it was a, a great conversation, and uh, as much as I hope we don't have to have it, if we do, I'd love to talk to you again and see where we're at. To all of our workforce executive council members who joined us today, thank you so much for your time. Be sure we're going to continue on this topic, we'll continue to cover it, and we wanna hear from you in any areas that we can dive into a little bit more uh, deeply. If you're interested in joining the council, and we hope you are, you can apply at cnvccouncils.com forward slash WEC. But for now, thank you all so much for your time and attention, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you.